It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. Fellas, I'm excited about this topic. It's one that I am passionate about. and. Rockets. How'd you know? James Harden. James Harden. Absolutely. Um, we'll talk about that on, a, on another episode, but for this one, this idea of holistic. Ho- did I roll the H in that? Holistic. Holist- I, I don't know. Holistic discipleship. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how, I think from a youth pastor or youth leader perspective, even a parenting perspective, how does that shift how we have traditionally done things when it comes to discipling young people. Yeah. I love it because it's changed everything that we've done. Like this whole, yeah. this thought right here. Yeah. And I think we changed everything for youth leaders, for teachers, for parents. Yeah. So I totally agree. Dig. And as a part of this discussion, we have our dear friend, Mr. Ron Beach in the house. Ron has umpteen years of experience leading his own teens. Um, and, uh, leading teens in the context of a church and outside of a church and ron you can't help leading no matter where you go i enjoy it yeah. i enjoy being a part yeah ron has have... this this gift where he can take any conversation and turn it around to jesus and it doesn't matter what you're talking about pokemon go which i'm sure you have yeah. know nothing about <laughs> i don't know anything about you pick the one thing <laughs> that you cannot... no, I, I bet you could though i bet you could learn just through us talking and you would Say something really profound. Yeah. Ron's a lover of people yeah. and yeah. stories, and that all ties back to Jesus. Well, you know, my belief is that everything came from Jesus, so it all goes back. Yeah. It's just a matter of seeing what, hmm. what the string is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in including the creativity that's involved in some of these. What is that, a game? Uh, Pokemon Go? You know, yeah. I wouldn't know, but the millennial phone. here would. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a cell phone game. Oh, yeah. And so every once in a while, you'll see, like, herds of people wandering through parks mm-hmm. all on their cell phone, like, right in front of their face. They might be playing Pokemon Go. You go out, and there's these little creatures out in nature. You have to capture those creatures. L- literal creatures? Yeah. Pokemon, pocket monsters. Yeah. And then you cool. raise them up. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you fight them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll have to educate myself some on that. Uh, yeah. I, I need to be tutored on that. I'll, I'll get you hooked up. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> I could just see Ron <laughs> wandering out in a field somewhere trying to catch. So, okay. That's not gonna. Whatever. Here we go. So this holistic discipleship thing. Let's uh, let's talk about that. First of all, what do we mean by that when we say holistic discipleship? And I think coming from again, uh, we've Louis lead youth. We have done it in the sense of a traditional church. We've done it. In the sense of uh, untraditional nonprofit, we've done it in a lot of different contexts, even in contexts where uh, Christianity isn't really allowed. For example, context of maybe a school, for example. So we've done a lot of different contexts. We're talking about holistic discipleship, and and here's where we came with. Over the years, we saw that um, the church is the pro. We are the experts at leading people spiritually, right? Um, and so that's what people look to us for is spiritual guidance. However, we now find ourselves in a, in a time, a season, a culture 
that does not value spiritual growth, and especially with a younger generation that isn't looking for spiritual growth, right? That's not a value. It's not a perceived value to them. And so if the church were to continue to lead with being the experts in spiritual growth, we find ourselves without a customer base anymore because nobody is saying, I want what you have to give. Um, But from the church perspective, we look at it and say, but you need what we have to give, and you don't know it yet, so we're going to push and push and push until you get it and understand that you need what we have to give. But that's not the way the world operates, right? Um, So, uh, you know, I I wish um, anyone have... Anyone remember the the capo shoes where they had the little triangles that popped in and out? This was before your time. Nobody? This is a really cool brand of shoes. Shoes is another thing you're passionate about. I am. Back in the 80s, these were the coolest things. I remember capa, I think. Yeah. Okay, so they had this this cool brand of shoes, right? And everybody wanted them at one time. But then they became uncool, out of fashion, almost like Jordache jeans. I don't know if Jordache is even around... You don't see people wearing guest jeans anymore. You know what guest yeah, is? I do. I yeah. I remember when guest had stores. Yeah. Okay. And so anyway, or Polaroid pictures, know. or any of these other industries that have just crashed and died. Totally. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they they didn't adapt. Or they did change. not adapt. They did they not adapt. Ready for the future. And and the and the church we find ourselves as Christians in this weird spot of okay, we know we need to adapt some things, but as soon as we use that kind of thinking. Everybody panics. <gasps> They're watering down the gospel. They're, you know, compromising the truth and all this kind of stuff. When, when we look back on history, those who have communicated the gospel best have always adapted to the people they're trying to communicate the gospel to. So back to this idea of holistic discipleship. It's the idea that we want to communicate truth to people. We want people to see uh, biblical truth, but we want them to see it in the context that matters most to them. And we know as human beings, we there's three kind of areas we can break down our growth into, and that's personal growth, professional growth, and spiritual growth. You know, personal being maybe, you know, struggling with depression or, you know, grades or eating habits, wanting to exercise more. We can set personal goals that we're trying to achieve and attain professional goals, things that we're trying to personally accomplish or do in the context of work or school or things like that. And so the idea of holistic discipleship says, what if we were to step in as the church and be the experts in being able to help people grow personally, professionally, and spiritually, all three? Would that change things? Let's just, what what if we started there? What do you think would shift? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's important because we're all of those things. And God wants to use all of those things. Mm -hmm. And because we're all wired differently, Mm -hmm. and I would say the Holy Spirit is the ultimate communicator. He knows how to work personally in each person's life Mm -hmm. so that we can all experience that good news. But maybe I'm more professional. Like, I understand where I'm, I'm going with work and... I want you to come in and show me how the spiritual applies 
to my professional life. Yes. What is or maybe I'm more personal. Like I'm built for relationship and community. Well, God is community. Like he works in community. He works through us with others. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're able to give me the gospel in a context that I'm able to understand. God is already working somewhere in my life, and you're just revealing that to me. Right. Right. Ron, I know you're really good at this in, in terms of when you meet someone, you're asking a lot of open-ended questions, kind of getting right. to know them. And you're you're not charging in looking for a way right away to tell them something about Jesus. What is your mindset when you're meeting someone trying to get to know them? You know, you you want to communicate, you know, and build a relationship with them. How are you going about doing that? Does this idea of of looking at somebody through the lens of personal, professional, and spiritual development help at all? Yeah, yeah, I would say it helps. I mean, so when I meet someone, what I'm looking for primarily is to find a connection, find something we have in common, something that we can build on. And whether it's in a personal, professional, or spiritual it, it really has a lot to how we has a lot to do with how we met. So if we if we're initially talking about work or we're talking about something going on in their lives, you know that kind of takes the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk to them about Jesus, but my objective is not to talk to them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. My objective is to see where they're at, who they are, what's going on with them, and be there for them. You know, and mm-hmm. be there for them as a friend, be there for them as help if they need help. Um, but it's not um, it's not an objective to share the gospel, mm-hmm. although that ends up being a part of it. Yeah. Um, when I'm working with young people, especially um, spiritual things, are like usually like the last thing I would bring up because and 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 of course, as a youth leader for a lot of years, you and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. They need this. How do we get them to know they need this? Like you said earlier. Right. And uh, and I think that was a wrong question. Mm-hmm. You know, and it it didn't work out. We couldn't figure out how to do that other than not heading into the spiritual to start with. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think that's that's really important. Yeah. It's like that age-old adage, like, they don't care about what you know until they know that you care. But it really is true. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times I've drawn that out because, like, I want to give people good news. I want to fix you and help mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But it, that even that line of thinking kind of puts a lot of pressure on me. Mm-hmm. What if I was able to remove some of that stress and just – I want to love you, like right where you're at, and just talk with you and get to know you, and then trust God to do all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and the idea behind holistic discipleship is this: we want to be a voice into somebody's not life, not just middle school and high school, but for their entire lives, right? What what if what if we were this the place that people came to and they said, "Man, you know, I don't know where to go. I got I'm having trouble at home, trouble at work, trouble everywhere." I need some advice. My finances are a wreck. And the one place humans thought to go to for that was the church. Mm-hmm. Mm. How amazing would that be, right? Because, because they can walk into an environment knowing they're not going to get, they don't have to convert to something, but they're going to get sound wisdom, whether they realize it's based in biblical wisdom or not is almost irrelevant, but they're going to get sound wisdom and direction on how to manage their finances, how to get that promotion at work, how to, you know, increase their marriage, you know, develop better intimacy, all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, that's, I think, what we're after here is we're saying we want to position ourselves with this idea of holistic discipleship to speak into all aspects of a person's life, wherever they're at 
now and based on what they need now right yeah i think that's it i mean people mm. feel all the areas where god is not in their life like right. i'm freaking out over finances or my relationships are just under stress and this method says that god wants to get involved in all of that and i think once he gets involved that's when faith really comes to life like yeah. god shows up in everything yeah. And we should be best in the workplace, working hard. People should take notice. That should start conversations. Like, hey, I saw you were getting to work early and you were just kicking butt. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, where do you get all this energy from? Mm -hmm. well, maybe that starts mm -hmm. more conversations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so, the counter is like if we're not professionally doing well and you're showing up late and you're really not, people don't care about your supernatural God if they can't trust you with just their natural work yeah so yeah and, and and teams may not care so much about their professional growth um but they do in some way uh, especially those that are involved in some sort of clubs sports band i think into the future yeah they're wanting they, they're they have a skill set that they're trying to develop and they want and and they want to develop it and so where where does biblical wisdom come in to helping them develop that skill set, and I think if if we if we can bring in a teen and say, hey, you know what, we want we want you to get that first seat in band too, right? And so let's let's work toward that together. How can how can we come alongside and help you achieve that? You know, that to me builds a relational bond, and 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 that carries on beyond their teen years. Right. And so I want to get practical right now. We're just talking theory. Well, real quick have, on, on that. We end. have practicals though. Real quick. So yeah. like, don't you think that maybe personal, like, because teens are experiencing everything in community and learning things, learning to integrate thoughts and ideas through community, that personal could be like a great way to start a conversation about God with kids. Yeah. Like your relationship, just think about your relationships mm -hmm. and what you want out of relationships. Yeah. They're already thinking about relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That might be one of the best ways to start a spiritual conversation mm -hmm. is by talking about like interpersonal relationships. Yeah. But yeah, let's get practical. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. What do we do with all this? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think here's some, here's some thoughts that we have based on what we've done and, uh, and, and the fruit that we've seen. But, um, if you're a youth leader, youth pastor, parent even, what does this mean for you? What, how do you change? What strategies do you deploy to focus on leading somebody personally, professionally, and spiritually? Um, one, and I think this is a big one that comes to mind first off, is that we focus on community, like you're saying, Zach, and experience over information. That's the first and largest paradigm shift, right? Because traditionally, and Ron, you already touched on this, we spent years thinking of like, oh my gosh, these teens, there's so much they need to know about biblical history and creation and so forth and so on. It's like we have unending curriculum and resources out there where we're going to push them information that they're not asking for, but we're required to push them information to say, at least we've done our part and cross our fingers and hope and pray that, that the, you know, the, the words scatters on their heart, like seeds and all this kind of stuff. And at the same time, they're screaming to us, that's not what's most important. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so, but we're saying, <laughs> but we're still pushing, we're still pushing. And, and so the, the, this idea says, all right, let's stop pushing what we 
what we think they need to know. And let's start by creating uh, an environment, a community that focuses on where they're at and where they, what they want to do. So we did this with creating something we call the Academy of Awesome, these crazy classes. And I know, Ron, you've taught some of these, <laughs> right? And so what we did is we said, all right, listen, um, we're opening up the church and the space, and we want you to come, and you can learn how to shoot bows and arrows. You can learn how to speak Japanese, play guitar, survive the zombie apocalypse, blah, 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 so forth and so on. It was all over the board. And it gave them an environment where they could test out, grow professionally, test out a skill, something they're interested in, develop. They didn't have this opportunity anywhere else, and, and, or they couldn't afford to do it anywhere else. The guitar lessons are expensive. And so they were coming, and in the context of community with other people and having a shared experience that was helping them grow professionally, we had an engagement point that we never would have had. Right, and I know we remember back to when we first started this, and what were some of the things that that we saw? What, what, what? Uh, you know, how did this build pathways for us to be able to eventually bring in spiritual discipleship and growth? Yeah, I mean, I think of one student in particular, and it's kind of cool because this story is like four years down the road now. But came for a vocal class and a guitar class, mm-hmm. and I remember mom just crying, saying like he never would have had this opportunity. And here's the deal, like all these gifts and classes exist within your church community. Mm -hmm. Somebody in there has done these things or is passionate about these things also. So it's a really easy way to start those relationships and that discipleship process. But this kid comes to a guitar or vocal class Mm -hmm. and comes week after week after week. And he gets hooked up with somebody who eventually takes him on a mission trip. And through that mission trip, ends up getting baptized. Like the relationship built and was able to carry more and more weight and so you're able to have deeper spiritual conversations. Mm-hmm. And the kids at Texas State, he's in the choir now. It's super. I'm not going to say it's like because of that class, but that class was influential. It was one of many touch points that he was able to have along the way. Yeah, yeah. And I think the the encounter, right? And that team didn't have any context of what church was or did. Yeah. But his first encounter with the church community was one that, hey, we we care about what you care about, and we want to help you develop a skill. Totally. It was a gift that God had placed there, and mm-hmm. this uncovered that passion or gift. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Ron, this idea of holistic discipleship, um, you know, and, and I know you're really good at honing in at what other people care about and then caring about those things too. What do you, what are some of your thoughts on this subject in general or some of the things you've seen? Yeah. So, um, just earlier to your um, comments about that. Um, the classes that we did, um, there was a, so so I've taught for years and years and years in Sunday school classes where the kids were required to be there. Parents brought them to church, that's where they go, either that or sit in the sanctuary, and they didn't want to do that, so it was a lesser of the two evils or whatever to them. Um, Getting involvement with them, getting them to open up, getting them to to actually um, be present was really hard. Mm -hmm. But these classes were different. Right, so these classes that had an interest of theirs to start with were different. They were there. The attendance was better, and the and the and their being present was better. And and those things as a teacher are like ah, that's what we really want, mm-hmm. right? And so you you can convey a lot more than whatever particular thing you're you're teaching there that may not be spiritual. You're you're conveying spiritual values and stuff. And and to me, that's an even greater way to uh, instill spiritual values than to 
put them on the board and tell them to memorize them, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, uh, so, so yeah, that, that concept, we got to see that work. I mean, that was a, that was a shift we did that, you know, that I, that I saw from my perspective as being like, oh, wow, this is way different, yeah. you know, so. But as far as the holistic goes, yeah, most of the time um, students don't have spiritual, you know, they're not walking down the street thinking, where am I with God? I wonder what God thinks about this, or I wonder how, you know, what God's principles are here. It's, it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. What they are thinking about is what we need to be talking to them about, mm-hmm. you know. So, so I like that very much. And I do think that, um, I do think that the answer to all of life's problems ultimately goes back to the Creator, as I said earlier. Um, but leading them to that answer as opposed to giving them that answer I think is really important too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that takes time and it takes relationship to do it. it and does. it also takes it also takes um, generating that or, or, or touching that desire in them to move towards that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and professional and personal are, are a way to do that that spiritual cannot do, yeah. or at least most students so it's, it's probably a good point to, to pause and say, when we talk about discipleship, what do we really mean? Like, Zach, what do you, what do you think about when you think of the word discipleship? Uh, following someone? Yeah. Or learning from someone? Yeah. And I think at, at the core, that's about it. Ron, just something, what comes to your mind when you think of discipleship? Um, so I think of, of, of someone, from, from the discipler perspective, I think of giving someone something that mm-hmm. they need. Mm-hmm. You know, discipleship that way mm-hmm. and, and doing that in an effective way. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. so we're here we are with a culture that is saying, I want to be led. I just don't want to be led by the church. And when you press why, it's ultimately because, well, you know, because the church leads with spiritual answers. Yeah, yeah. Or it feels like a, like a bait and switch kind of thing. It, absolutely. Like, I'll love you as long as you change, or yeah. you can take this free class as long as you accept Jesus at the end, or, you know, we'll feed you pizza, but right. just you wait. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. Now, ultimately, as disciples, we, we were influencers, and we want to influence people, but we want to influence them in a broader spectrum than just spiritual knowledge, right? Personal, professional, and spiritual so when we do that, um, again, and we're getting practical about how you do that, it requires that each individual you are discipling has their own unique path for growth. And that is not something traditionally that the church at large has been able to accomplish, right? Because we're talking about the masses here, and we're saying, oh, man, we got this group of people we're trying to disciple. We need a course. We need material that everybody goes through together, right? And so it's kind of like herding cattle. You're all going through this together. Whereas this idea of holistic discipleship says, no, how about we understand where somebody is at right now, right? And where they want to go, take a note where they've been, where they want to go, where they're at now. And we create a path that says, what are your goals personally, professionally, and spiritually? Everybody would have different answers to that if we did that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, then our job as the one that wants to disciple and lead is to help you walk down those paths, right, of personal, professional, and spiritual growth. Whereas in the past, the church has said, okay, I'm going to help you with the spiritual. Everything else, you should go here, you should go there, you should go there, or wherever, right? Yeah. Um, and now I'm not saying we need to be the pro at everything. Someone's personally battling with depression. 
that doesn't mean we need to know how to help them through the depression ourselves, but we do need to be that main advocate that makes mm. sure that they do get connected with and are on the path of growing in that area. So um, one thought that we had, and we have yet to really fully deploy this, but it's we, we're hoping to get to it this year, is that what if, like in a church setting, a body setting, even Catalyst, you had a list of people that are a part of your community, you knew where they were heading personally, professionally, and spiritually, and you were intentionally sitting down with them once a quarter to check in on them. Hey, how's it going in these areas? Where are you at? How can I take you, help you take the next step, right? And, and every quarter, everybody, you're circling back around with and you're helping them in these three areas. Can you imagine if every church in America was doing that? Every youth wow. pastor and youth leader was doing that. I mean, how to me, that's, that's where we need to go to re, for the church to re-engage our culture. We need, to, we need to take some radical steps to understand where they are and help them take the next those leaps in those areas with biblical wisdom being the foundation of it all. Um, yeah, thoughts? I, you you might be going this way, and you were the one that actually posed this idea, but that historically the family structure was made up of how many people? It was six, six minimum. That's what I was, was like, I I'm sitting there counting in my head, and I'm sitting there trying to count in my head because that wasn't my case, right? I <clears throat> well, when you say six, we're talking about mom and dad, and then two sets of grandparents. two sets of grandparents. Okay. And so now we live in a world where families are broken, and Maybe it's uh, we're being raised by one instead of six. But you had six people historically in the way that God designed the family structure right. to raise up a student or a young person. Now maybe we're down to one. So what would it look like if you took the church and surveyed gifts and passions and what people have done experience-wise and brought together multiple people to serve students? And so what you're touching on, and again, this is, I think, a practical. How do you execute this? It's a, it's a many-to-one mentor or discipleship model versus a one-to-one, right? Traditional one-to-one is I'm the pastor or I'm a pastor and I'm going to, there's only so many people I can meet with. If you're a youth pastor, you're a lot of times you're trying to be the one person that's guiding each of the teens in your youth group. But the many-to-one would say, okay, I've taken a survey of what all these teens care about in my youth ministry. And I recognize that three of them really want to be musicians, right? And as a youth, let's say I'm, a, I'm that youth pastor and I have no musical ability whatsoever, right? How am I going to help them with that, right? I am going to set up a plan and goals to get them lessons, to get them on a course to start developing those talents. And as I'm doing that, right, I'm the advocate. I'm the champion. I'm the one making sure it's happening, but I'm not the one doing it. That's where the money to one comes in. But I guarantee you, if we're doing that, then those three kids, despite where they are spiritually, are thinking, man, I don't know about Pastor Joe, you know, about what he believes about Jesus, but I know he surely does care about who I am and where I'm headed, and I get a ton of support from him. Yeah. That changes the whole dynamic of things. Yeah. You know, and so that's, when we look at that many-to-one model, that's kind of what we're saying. How do we, how do we move away from the paradigm shift of, of having to do everything ourselves 
to recognizing we're not experts in everything, but the Bible does have something to say into everybody's growth and development. So let's let's kind of bring people around into this once I know where someone's going and how to take them help them take the next steps. Yeah, super practical thought that gets me fired up. I mean, just making eight dollars for five hundred VistaPrint cards, yeah. filling out, go to typeform.com, make a survey, pass those out to all the old people in your church survey what their gifts, their passions, their experience are, and then start partnering with students as you sit down with students with older people. Yep. Maybe it's one time, mm-hmm. but they're able to grow and learn from that conversation. Yeah. It gets me excited on like a student level, mm-hmm. but it also gets me excited because a lot of our churches are just sitting dormant, <laughs> sitting on all these gifts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a way to get churches off the bench too yeah. and get them started investing in the next generation. Yeah. I hear a lot of people complain about the next generation, I want to see a lot of people like stepping up to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard a cool story yesterday. I was talking to a man that I just met, and I brought up the idea of many to one instead of one to one, just because that's been on my mind since we talked about it. And he interrupted me to tell me a story. So this guy's from uh, Big Baptist Church in Austin, and and they have a program there where they want to help young men out that got in trouble. Right. So there's a story is about a young man who got out of jail. Um, and they assigned him a, a mentor, and they're like, we're going to stay with you, we're going to walk through this with you, and this is going to work. Well, they had pretty much the same success that we usually do one-to-one. Uh, timing didn't work out right, and then the guy kind of drifts away, and then the com- um, personalities weren't a great match and that kind of thing. So they changed mentors, and that didn't work that well either, and so they changed again. And the third guy who was a mentor, he was like, I want to know what you guys know about this guy, right? And so they all got together, kind of huddled up, and they came up with this idea that six of them, literally six of them, would take this guy on because nobody had the time themselves. And, again, this fellow who was telling me the story said, everything changed then, right? Because always one of those guys had the energy, the time the, to, to put into to this young man to talk to him, to see where he was at. And they had different backgrounds and all that kind of thing. And so that's three years ago. Uh, the guy's doing great. He's in church. Um, uh, during the process of it, and they didn't preach this to him, but during the process of it, he moved out from living with his girlfriend because he decided about maybe wasn't right. And then he figured out that he loved her. And so he married her. And now it's not fairy book story but it's great you know and, and and this whole story just you know he was just like wow that works i know that works and he said we would have these these chain texts with all of us on it keeping up with what was going on with him so we were all fresh on what was going on so anyway i i really enjoyed uh hearing that mm-hmm. uh unprompted after what we had talked about mm-hmm. yeah i i think that that's a beautiful picture of what this could look like right mm-hmm. you know and it's it's just that it's it's bringing a community around you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I know this traditional mentality out there now is still, hey, we want to find committed people who are going to walk with a young person from sixth grade through 12th grade. And the reality, that's just not reality. It's just not reality because we're a transient culture. We can't find that many healthy adults that could even commit at that level to one person. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just too, we're just, it's just not working. It's not, but yet we keep trying to make it work, right? Whereas, what if we took, what if we took the pressure off, and and said, hey, listen, you know, don't put so much of your attention and focus on one person, one relationship, because we're human. At some point, even me as a as a as a leader or pastor is going to fail you. You know, I'm I'm going to do something imperfect and I'm going to let you down. And I said, but the thing is about the church 
is that we are a collection of imperfect people coming together trying to do something that we couldn't do alone. And so if teens begin to get involved with a community, a church, and they and they and, and it's not based on just one relationship with one person, but they're thinking now, man, this community cares about where I'm going personally, professionally, and spiritually. And I'm being discipled by a lot of different people at a lot of different times based on their skill sets. You know, you might have some good experiences, some bad experiences, but overall in the community, you're excited about what you're experiencing, right? You're, I think you're experiencing God more fully in the context of different relationships, this many-to-one model. Um, but it takes somebody with that kind of vision that can quarterback that. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's a little bit more administrative, but, I mean, it's, it works. It works. Yeah, we know this whole thing's supposed to be lived out in community anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And one of the things that I, I've noticed about youth work, working from, with them from when they were little till they're older, so I got to see them all the way through in some of my classes, um, and, and all of them are going to rebel or they're going to hit independence, and we want that. We want them to, mm-hmm. to, to experience that independence. And, but sometimes it turns into rebellion and, and doing um, the opposite of what they were taught and all that kind of thing. Um, most, the highest price for rebellion that teens pay is they break relationships that matter to them. Mm-hmm. And, and so the more those relationships, like in the mentoring circle, the more of those relationships they have, the higher the price it is to go out and get stoned and messed up, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to hurt these people. They're gonna... And so they're more likely to um, temper that behavior because it's expensive to them. You know, and and that's a more that's a bigger expense to most teens a relationship that matters than you know getting in trouble with the law or you know getting grounded or whatever mm-hmm. you know so yeah and and I think ultimately that's what we're saying what if we're what if we change our goals and we're not after building a large youth group so much as we are reframing what the church is in culture and why it's why it matters to this generation so that as they graduate they still. To, to leave the church would be like leaving any support any support system that's ever been of value to them right they wouldn't they wouldn't think of that they wouldn't think of it um, they would they would say no I've got to find a, another church community I'm moving but I have I am who I am today because of this church community right not and so it's it's just a different mindset you know um, I, there's a lot we could talk on this so we can go on forever. And I think we'll circle back around to this in in future podcasts. We're always happy to take specific questions. You can, you know, hit us up, Q&A. We'll get on a phone, talk to you about details, how we've done things, what we feel like has worked, not worked. But I think the big disclaimer here is is there's not – we're not promoting this is the right method and every other method is going to fail because God uses multiple methods and ways – Right? He's given us freedom to go out and just connect with people and show the world who he is. And so, you know, any approach can necessarily, you know, can, can lead somebody to, uh, to Jesus and help them experience him more fully. But, but what we're finding in our culture at this day and time, it seems like this one has been more effective than not, um, as it's really speaking to where this generation is at, what they're needing— and it's engaging them better. 
So, um, but that's just from our experience, and we'd be we'd we'd be happy to to talk more with with others out there who have uh, who have other experiences that you can add to this, and we can learn from each other on this. So, all on the same team here. Love to. Uh, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Ron, for sure. kind of kind of jumping into this and and uh, and, and giving your feedback. But we'd, we 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 we'd encourage more feedback here on this topic um, as we continue to develop it ourselves. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next time. For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.